I love the image of the children playing on the beach as we had with the story. With those infinite grains of sand and discovering and simply being there. I think that's one of the memories I have in my experience of going to the beach is just kind of wondering and being just a little bit in awe of how how many when people when the beach is full of people, not on top of each other, but just full enough that there's people, right? How much we're all in there and being in that moment together, doing different things, but encountering and sharing that experience. The perspective of the different viewers and the respect that was modeled by uh, that kind of magician and being able to share and talk and have different opinions and keep sharing and talking and keep having different opinions and still being together, that has always been presented to me as an ideal world. Part of what we're supposed to be aiming for is is to be able to be in life and engaged together and separately and all at once. I want more of that time on the beach. And maybe even swapping out the viewers. I like that idea of the the swapping out the perspectives. Here's the God view. Here's a science view. Or maybe, maybe there's a way to merge some of those viewers together and it's God and science and wow, that's a whole other thing. But gosh, I know it's not that simple. I'm going to take care of the fire in front of me first. Hold on. There's so much more to the story than playing on the sand together. Because we have truly different and divergent views. Swapping out the viewers is not going to solve the problem. We have truly different questions and places that we come from. And those paths lead to their own questions and conversations and so on. This moment, this moment with its convergence of holidays and holy days, in this time of year kind of further inspires and confusion confuses the question of how shall we gather? How shall we celebrate and acknowledge distinctions and differences? You know, the menorah is not the star of Bethlehem, is not the winter solstice, it's not the enlightenment of Buddha under the Bodhi tree either. And the Bodhi tree is not the Christmas tree, and so on. And yet we can also gather here and receive a special message from my colleague for lighting the seventh candle of Hanukkah. 
for this moment, I want to, I'm trying to navigate the, the diversity and the aspirations to a more pluralistic society that we have, that we can have. In a moment when I think our divisions are so dramatically deep and unfortunately have life and death consequences as well. One of the people I look at for thinking about differences is Stephen Prothero in his book, God is Not One. So he takes uh, eight major religions in the world, the ones that seem to have the most impact overall, and kind of pulls them apart and says, you know, here's the essential problem in each religion, here's the question, here's some of the ways in which each of these each of these problems is addressed in a particular religion. So in Christianity, the problem is um, good and evil, and the solution is love and following Jesus and the way, and our salvation is continuing to follow, and you can have a mix of practice as well as belief in doing so. But what we also, so we're talking about the, so part of what I appreciate about Stephen Prothero is that he's kind of naming the differences, that there are, in fact, distinctions and differences between different religious traditions. On the other side, I look at someone such as Karen Armstrong, who is a former Catholic nun who, at what point, left religion and belief entirely and now is a scholar and an advocate for religious pluralism and an advocate for the practice of compassion. And she does that by looking deeply into different religious traditions to say, how does compassion manifest here? How does it manifest here? And what's the relationship between the two? How sh should these be in conversation with each other? Now, one of the problems, one of the risks with someone such as Prothero is to be, um, if you're taking in a, a multi-thousand year tradition such as Christianity or Islam or so on, and saying it's answering one question, that that can be reduced to a religious essentialism, kind of reduced and reduced and reduced to saying this is all that it's about, and, and not recognize or understand the nuance of the pluralism within a particular tradition, that these have been developing over time and over multiple cultures. With someone such as Karen Armstrong, you can have the other side of kind of essentialism of saying that there's common beliefs you know, kind of reducing the common beliefs across multiple cultures on the other end as well. But what I appreciate about Prothero is to simply naming that there are in fact differences, because I think we can aspire to the, the God is one, or you know, that metaphor that, uh, of religious search that 
You know, it's one mountain that people are trying to climb and we just take different tracks up the same mountain. Now, that can be useful, and I've enjoyed that metaphor myself. But what I think a little further pulling apart is saying, you know what, we got a lot of different mountains, and that's also just the fact. We got a heck of a, we got a mountain range. In fact, maybe each one of us has our own little foothill, amen, right? Because what I, I think that, you know, the, the messages that can just be a little simple of, they were all on the same beach, they were all on the same mountain. I wanna aspire to that, and that's the ultimate truth. But in our immediate lived lives, we each got a little mountain of our own. And each faith has multiple mountains within a particular tradition, if you will. So I'm wondering, and I want to acknowledge that each of us is going to bring our own question, even within Unitarian Universalism. I mean, this is not a surprise within Unitarian Universalism that each of us would bring our own question, right? But I was loving uh, my colleagues as they're kind of playing with, well, what would be Unitarian Universalist kind of essential question? Because it's not a bad exercise to think about this. Uh, that was another one of the criticisms of Prothero's is that it's all kind of head and it's a little bit different than lived experience. But I think I think we have some shared questions that, that then can help focus and also help define. Say, you know what, I do have my question over here, and you have your question, and let's actually learn about the differences between those questions. So I'm kind of curious in this moment, if you're if you're willing to participate for a minute with me, what would be, what's your essential question? What is your essential question? And if you're in the room with me, you want to shout it out, I'll repeat it into the microphone if you would. What is your essential question? What's your mountain? What do you think? Now you can kind of jump in as I'm like going on here, because I'd love to hear. One of the ones that would be in Unitarian Universalism uh, is how to love. How to love. How to live in a compassionate way. Because the problem, one of the problems in that I think Unitarian Universalism deals with is separation and not knowing how to be with one another. Because we know, hanging out on the beach with all of our friends and maybe people we don't know, we know that's a good thing as an image. But how? How? I'm sorry? Just follow your heart. The how, follow your heart. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's that? How to be inclusive? Mm -hmm. How to actually be welcoming? Yeah. How to practice the welcome? Yep. Yep. 
I would agree. It's a practice. How to make a living without compromising beliefs? Yeah. Yes, sir. Why do children die? Thank you, Tom. Yeah. I think we're having that one a lot right now, huh? Yes. What's the point of all the struggle? What's the point of all the struggle? What's the point of all the struggle? Gosh, yes. What's the point of all the struggle? Being, hmm? One more? Which one? What is the point of all the struggle? What is? Victor Frankl. Mm -hmm. Victor Frankl kind of answered that question, yeah. Yeah? I gonna say, what he said, there is meaning in suffering. Uh, he said there is, so Viktor Frankl, his response to suffering is that there is meaning in suffering. Yep. Now, I'm going to offer a little note that says, not everything happens for a reason. Because I don't want to say, you got to suffer, right? I'm not going to tell you that you have to suffer. We're acknowledging the presence of suffering and we can find a path with it. A lot of the suffering is the result of greed. So, is there a point where the various religions intersect? Yep. And I think that's partially what Karen Armstrong does in her work, is to look and say, you know, here's how Islam calls, you know, what she's saying in her compassionate living work is that, uh, that every, in her experience of looking at a multiple different religious traditions, that in one way, shape, or form, every tradition calls us to be compassionate, calls us to be loving, calls us to be invitational, calls us to serve one another. Now, how they do that, that's all distinct. But every, you know, she offered in Buddhism, she offered in Islam, she offered in Christianity, offered in Judaism, in her um, annual pluralism address in 2018. She was kind of naming all of the ways in which, and she's saying in that, she went a little deeper in saying that she's not so concerned, you know, part of what we get bound up into is the culture but how do we, it's about how we are practicing with each other, how we are practicing our beliefs. How do we live in a compassionate way? And she was keep trying to invite us to, to be less bound by, maybe to be less bound by our context and our culture and to say, what is it we really want to be living into? What are we aspiring to? What is it that my faith tradition calls me to? But clearly that's the human challenge, right? Clearly that's this lived challenge that we're trying to navigate. And I am sad to say, no surprise, that it seems to be getting deeper in our time. 
there's wonderful and beautiful work out there of people being brought together to work together, but there's also so much difference. I think this is where my question for trying to bring this in this moment today is kind of recognizing how much difference there is and simply naming that so that we don't don't think we're, we're don't kind of, I guess, deluding or, or missing that in our conversation. That simply naming that, yeah, there's some real different questions that we're coming from. That in itself, that in itself, the recognition of, of that, where it helps feed the emotional effort. Say so we're not missing something, this is really hard. But I want to share just one story of folks that I've been, I just learned about in the course of preparing for today, of how people are working together and trying to address the, um, the public, the, the difficulties of public conversation. Um, there is a group called Essential Partners, and they're based in Maryland, I think, at this point. They started with an idea uh, from a family therapist, Laura Chasson, uh, in 1989, who was, she was in the Boston area. And she kept seeing in her family practice how dysfunctional our, kind of our social conversation was, not just from families, but, but larger than the families she worked with. And one of the earliest actions this, that the group that she started to form was um, following a shooting at, a deadly shooting at the, uh, a clinic that um, performed abortions in the Boston area. Um, and while there was this public outcry for that, uh, for kind of responding, you know, religious leaders responding and so on, what she did and some others did was have a quiet conversation between religious leaders who had very, very different views on abortion and women's right to choose. And that was the starting point. Um, and people were building out from Boston there that moved into Washington, D.C. area. And their vision, the vision of this body remains the same, to have a world of thriving communities strengthened by difference and connected by trust. So this is a body that is working very directly with recognizing difference. Um, and those across culture and race and geography and women's health and emotion and environmental preservation one of the places where they um, kind of furthered their work was in 2018 after um, following in part on the deadly shooting in Parkland High School. Essential partners and some other groups got together to bring people from all over the country to talk about guns and gun control. And this really included people of radically different perspectives. I mean, radical like the root they were coming from deeply, profoundly different perspectives about gun control. And they spent three days together getting to know each other, talking with each other, and truly listening and asking questions. 
and not being shy about asking a question, and, but kept asking for clarification with the method that these folks use. And, and in those three days, they created a morsel of trust, a morsel of understanding, enough that a number of them were willing to keep doing the work after the conference, and they followed up with um, a little bit of public speaking, but also being on Facebook. As you can imagine, if you're familiar with Facebook at all, you know that trying to have a public discourse on gun control on Facebook is holy cow. Um, truly a brave choice and truly gonna cost emotionally. But they did that. They did that. They continued this conversation about guns and gun control and they did this for a specific amount of time. And they were actually even able to tame Facebook. They were even able to, in both in Facebook conversations and in conversations directly with one another, keep the conversation going. And here's part of what happened, and here's what I want to offer as we're trying to navigate what is difference right now. They were able to slow down enough to listen to each other, to not just be a sound bite. So they were able to slow down and listen. And they were also able, because they had listened, those who were at the core of this had listened to each other well enough at the beginning. They were able to speak up for each other when someone was being harmed or attacked. They had created enough of a connection and enough trust to be able to show up for the other person, even though they were holding very different views, and to say, hold on a second, You're, this is not how we treat each other. I, I ask that you treat somebody, treat somebody better. They are able to articulate questions, doubts, and differences, and find spots of commonality and come away a little bit different than when they had started, a little bit of transformation in the moment. Recognizing the depth of our differences, I want to say what they were taking away, what this group was taking away from this just one conversation was if we can go deeply enough, we can hear people. If we can go deeply enough, we can hear people. So as we go forth, continuing our public discourse, whether it is civil or uncivil or everything in between, how much each of us can be part of that listening and part of that effort simply because we're willing to be in this conversation. I invite each of us, and myself included, to pace yourself. Show up as well as you can. Take care of yourself, but do as much of the work as possible. I think that is one of our callings in our, our living of Unitarian Universalist values is to be able to show up as often as we can, as well as we can, 
knowing that the work is granular, like grains of sand on a beach, granular. But it also adds up. It also adds up. I look forward to keeping hearing the questions and the conversations as we go. Amen.